Hello and welcome to NetCast, where we are taking an in-depth approach to sharing the good news about Jesus Christ. I am your host, Mark Hatfield, and I hope that you are encouraged by these studies in the Word of God. We invite your feedback and would love to have you as a regular part of our listening audience. Please stay with us for today's message. Greetings in the Lord and welcome to Season 5, Episode 3 of the NetCast Podcast. Today we are going to study about how we can reach a place in our faith where we are lacking in nothing, and we will be looking at James chapter 1, verses 5 through 11. I hope you will stay right here with me for this important message from the Word of God. If you have your Bible open now to the book of James, let us focus together on chapter 1, verses 5 through 11, where we find our text for the lesson today. We have already received so much practical teaching from James, along with what we call tactical measures to help us prepare daily for the battle that rages all around us in this world of temptation and trials. This is going to be a continuation of our series titled Dispersed and Dedicated. Today we are entering a continuation of what James said about having an enduring faith that withstands all the hardships of this life. The text from our last lesson ended in verse 4, and let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Jane states that we can reach a place where we lack nothing in regards to our walk with the Lord. This is a goal of our Christian life. In the meantime, James will tell us what to do if we still lack in the areas of wisdom and faith and humility and offer some applicable teachings for refining our walk with the Lord. The lesson today will help us to decide what we could be lacking that keeps us from being perfect and complete. This reminds me of the time when Jesus was approached by a ruler, and he asked Jesus what he had to do to inherit eternal life. Jesus told him to keep the commands of God, to which he replied, All these things I have kept from my youth. Jesus replied, One thing you still lack. And then he was told that he needed to go and sell all of his possessions and give to the poor, and he would have the riches of heaven. The ruler responded poorly and walked away sad because he had many possessions. Jesus points out that it is hard for a rich man to enter heaven. Once we identify the areas of our life where we lack something that is keeping us from being what God has called us to be, instead of walking away in sadness, we should rather choose to listen to the Word of God and walk closer to Him. Our text begins today, but if any of you lacks, and then James offers guidance for what to do if we lack, so that we can hone our spiritual walk with the Lord and inherit the blessings of heaven. Now, the first area of our faith that we want to focus on is lacking in wisdom. But if any of you lacks wisdom, James says, let him ask of God who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. In other words, if you lack wisdom, ask for wisdom from God. This is one of those verses that we will often use out of context. Not that we teach error, for God will answer prayers for wisdom for sure. But the key is the word but, connecting what James is about to say with the previous set of verses. In that section, James was referring to enduring trials. So here, the wisdom that we are asking for is not necessarily any kind of wisdom, but the wisdom to help us perfect our faith in the area of perseverance when undergoing trouble sometimes. The goal is not only to survive trials, but to use wisdom from God for how to allow our trials to bring glory to God and become perfectly complete in Christ. 
There are multitudes of earthly resources filled with the knowledge of men that will claim to be able to offer self-help, personal guidance, counseling, and wisdom that is not from God. But we are told to put godly wisdom first and look above as a priority when we encounter trials. Looking elsewhere is to risk inviting more sorrow and difficulties into our life, for God knows what is best for us. Psalm 25, verse 9. Wisdom from above is the only kind for the Christian. James chapter 3, 13 to 18. The Bible says God is generous and gives without reproach. This idea of simply asking God is one of the oldest teachings in the faith. Matthew 7, 7 to 8. Ask, seek, and knock, and it will be given to you. You will not get what you do not ask for, according to James chapter 4, 2 through 3. God has a storehouse of blessings, but He is waiting for us to ask, and He is willing to extend an open hand to His children as a loving Father who loves to give gifts. The word liberally or generously, in some translations, can also be translated simply, meaning that it doesn't have to be some big ordeal. Simply ask, and you will receive all that God has to offer. He is bountiful and kind. He wants us to have His wisdom. God is described here as a generous giver. When it says that he gives without reproach, it means that God is not unwilling to provide insight when we ask for assistance in knowing how to make good choices when we don't know which way to go. Proverbs 2, verse 6. He is not going to find fault or look at all of our past foolish decisions to determine whether we are worth giving advice to. He is ready and willing to give wisdom. While we might tremble out of respect as we approach his throne, he bids us to come boldly, and then he meets us with a spirit of goodness and will not reprimand or return a harsh response. Jeremiah 29, verse 12. The answer may come through reading the Word of God, but the answer could also be provided through the Spirit that dwells in us, helping us to choose a way that is prudent and wise. The answer can also come through the providence of God, where he makes his path plain to us. Proverbs 8, 34, also Ephesians chapter 5, 15 to 17. We cannot help but recall here the story of King Solomon when the Lord told him to ask for anything from the Lord and it would be granted him. Read 2 Chronicles chapter 1 verses 7 to 12 to see how Solomon asked for wisdom over all things and it was given to him in the greatest measure. Now the second thing that he mentions here in this context for today is lacking in faith. But he must ask in faith without any doubting for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. The point here is that we must have faith in prayer without doubting. Hebrews 11.6 says that we believe that God is, but we also believe that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Continuing to connect and layer his teachings here, James starts these verses with, But letting us know that there are conditions to receiving wisdom from God to overcome various trials. The condition is that we must have true faith, which cannot be filled with our doubts. Matthew 21, 22, Mark eleven twenty four, both speak to that kind of faith. Faith is living a faithful life and keeping the commands of God. 1 John 3, 21 and 22, 1 John 5 and verse 14. When we come to God, we come without hesitation. That is a first step in faith. And we also come in confident assurance that what we ask of Him 
will come to pass, or in many verses, has already come to pass. James goes on to describe the doubter as one who is like the surf of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. If you have ever stood on the seashore and watched the waves come crashing in on you, you know what James is talking about. Every wave is unstable as it is completely directed by every wind that blows and tosses the water about. Likewise, when we pray, we demonstrate initial faith in God to help, but the doubter will soon allow unsettled convictions in his heart to create little hope in getting an answer to the prayer. And this is why James says that the doubter will not receive anything from the Lord. God sees our hearts, and he knows whether or not we have confidence or belief in his existence first, and also his ability to come to our aid. To go through the process of praying, but in our mind we have no trust that our petitions will be fulfilled, will cause us to come away empty-handed. People lose heart in prayer when they continue to gain no favor from the throne, and the issue is not with God, but with our lack of wholehearted faith that He will grant our requests. To enter the throne room in prayer with doubt is to be considered double-minded. James is the only New Testament writer to use the word double-minded. See also James chapter 4 and verse 8. It literally means to have two spirits about us, where one is claiming faith in God and the other is wavering in trust in the same God. James points out that someone who is double-minded in prayer is unstable in all of his ways. If he cannot speak with God and know without doubt that what he has requested will come to pass, he cannot be stable or firm in anything. This individual will have no resolve or determination about any subject when he or she cannot put trust in the God of heaven and earth and not be moved away from that assurance. Now, the final point that James is going to make from this passage is that we can lack in humility. The brother of humble circumstance is to glory in his high position, and the rich man is to glory in his humiliation, because like flowering grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with a scorching wind, and it withers the grass, and its flower falls off, and the beauty of its appearance is destroyed. So too the rich man, in the midst of his pursuits, will fade away. Humility or humiliation are used here in contrasting two conditions in life. Humility and humiliation come from the same root word. Humility means a modest opinion of one's own importance, while humiliation means to cause a painful loss of pride, self-respect, or dignity. Do you see the difference? The difference is in autonomy, or to be forward, an independent individual choice. Humility is a personal decision, while humiliation is a circumstance that one is thrust into because of their personal decisions. Which will you choose? This is a choice we all have to make, or it will be made for us. God will one day humiliate the prideful and bring them low, and they will have to face a judgment bar for how they lived. A Christian, on the other hand, will choose humility and glory in it because they understand the outcome or the reward. If we are living with humble means, it doesn't automatically mean that we are humble. Our means do not create meaning before God unless we have learned godliness with contentment. Then we have great gain. Read 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 through 11. This is called meekness, and Jesus taught, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. This is a reference to those that would be classified in a socioeconomic class or cultural status as poor. Jesus was meek, and he didn't have a place to lay his head, and he was completely contented by that. Let me be clear, though, that the poor doesn't necessarily mean equivalent to being like Christ. Some of the most covetous people are those who have to do without 
because they are always in search of more. Humility and contentment go hand in hand. We who might find ourselves in what the world would call an unfortunate financial circumstance are to glory in our high position in the eyes of God and even consider ourselves fortunate to be less fortunate by earthly standards. The poor are blessed, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Luke chapter 6, 20-23 The last shall be first. The humble will be exalted. Those who are poor in this world but are rich in faith are in favor with the Lord. James 2, verse 5 If you are poor but rich in faith, you are chosen of the Lord. That is a position to glory in for certain. We become rich through the Lord, becoming poor, emptying himself, and suffering death on the cross. And because of that, we have eternal wealth. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9. Humility is the state of mind where we are willing to accept whatever we have, and in advance we make up our mind to be grateful, count it all joy, and give thanks to the Lord for our blessings. Being poor is not a trial unless we make it one. Being poor is a blessing because in our lack, we gain humility and glorying in this status is a requirement to be exalted into eternal glory. The rich man, on the other hand, is humiliated either by choice or by foregoing a life of hoarding up earthly riches, realizing that he cannot serve God and mammon or wealth because he has to face the reality that he will one day die and all of the accumulated riches will be left for someone else. The rich brother or sister must take the initiative to renounce all things in order to be a disciple of Jesus. Luke chapter 14, verse 33. This is why we see early Christians selling possessions and even land in order to make certain that no other Christian had any lack or need. All things were common, Acts 2.45, Acts 4.37. This is not socialism, but is simply being Christian. We are to be a vessel that is willing to be poured out on the altar of service to God, and a rich Christian had to be humiliated, and that is to lose his status in life, in order to follow Christ. It doesn't mean that there is no such thing as rich Christians in the church, but they no longer consider what they have as their own. They have renounced all things. If they see a brother or sister in need, they help them. James will describe this later as our faith is in action. Do you remember why the Corinthian church had issues with the Lord's Supper? They were not demonstrating humility and love through sharing. The rich were full and the poor went without. Paul could not praise them in this situation. Now, don't get me wrong. Christians can be well off, but they must be using their resources to bless the kingdom of God. We should not have members of the church that are struggling to make ends meet when faithfully serving the Lord and working hard, while other members are living with plentiful resources. That is not how the body of Christ works. When one part suffers, we all suffer with them. When one rejoices, we all rejoice together. It is a painful reality that in most churches this truth gets overlooked. We like to think of most of our congregations as middle-class churches— Generally, the poor do not feel welcomed, and the rich, as Jesus pointed out, will have a hard time accepting truth and making it to heaven simply because they cannot find it in their heart to store up treasures in heaven. They want instant gratification. The fact is that even within a church with less than 100 people, we can still see a congregational culture develop where you have the few that are financially affluent, the median income, and those with little to no income. We're not talking about those who have little because they don't apply themselves, 
we are talking about those that are not able for various reasons to overcome a setback or a permanent disability that keeps them from being able to meet basic needs. These same individuals may have been laid off from work or for various other reasons are not able to afford the necessities on their limited income. And while we will all be in different places and positions in life, we should never differentiate or disregard those who are of lesser means. God always took a stand in his word for those who were less fortunate, and we should humble ourselves to help and serve and share the love of the Lord with all, bridging that financial gap to bring unity and equality to the whole of the body of Christ. There is a reason that they looked out for the widows and the orphans and the poor in the early church. James 1, 27. God has always despised people who look down on those who are destitute or unable to care for themselves. Many people say, well, the poor you will always have with you, misquoting Jesus, of course. His point was to serve him while he was available on the earth. But after his ascension, he was firmly convinced that we would look out for the lesser ones of society. The moral of this text is that riches are fleeting and perishing, and you cannot take them with you. They are only a valid resource for the here and now. All that this world has to offer will one day be stripped away from us, and we are left in the same condition as when we came into the world. If a Christian suffers through the loss of financial stability, he is to accept it with humility and glory in his newfound position. This position might be humiliating. Yet because we are family, we will do all that we can to see any brother or sister through any hard time in spite of their own contentment in the Lord. Truly the rich should forfeit in his mind what he has and what is his own and recognize that everything is from God and belongs to God. Therefore, sharing and giving becomes a natural response. He doesn't wait until his riches consume him and become a selfish, arrogant, prideful sinner because of wealth, but rather he accepts humiliation and glories in this form of humbling in order to follow the example of Jesus and be a follower. Paul described it as knowing how to get along with humble means, even though at times we are supplied bountifully beyond measure. In some cases, as in the rich young ruler we mentioned earlier, people are greedy and love money and they will be lost due to their fixation on this world's goods and not on the riches of heaven. Either way, humiliation will be the end result. Those who understand that even momentary losses can be used to honor God will remain humble and allow him to use us in all circumstances. James describes the rich using some excellent illustrations. First, he says, like flowering grass, he will fade away. There are countless passages that compare lives to temporary things, showing a certain end in death. We mentioned earlier in this series a connection between the Sermon on the Mount and the teaching found in James. Jesus taught us about the brevity of life and pointed people away from anxiety and worrying about earthly riches to seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, Matthew chapter 6, 25-34. James will later describe life like a vapor that appears for a little while, then vanishes away, James 4, 7 and 8. In our context today, he continues to say that the sun rises with a scorching wind and the grass withers, and then the flower falls off, destroying the beauty of its appearance. This is most likely a reference to Isaiah 40, 7 and 8, which uniquely references the breath of the Lord being the sun that withers the grass and causes its flower to fall. The point is made stronger when this passage states that the people and their beauty fade and pass away, 
but the word of the Lord endures forever. See Psalm 37, 1-4 and Psalm 103, 15-17. To wrap up this last point, let's say that what matters in this life is not how many things we can obtain, but to see how many things we can forfeit to gain eternal life. Since the word of the Lord endures forever, we need to take great delight in what he has told us even today and do our best to make personal application of the exhortations therein. The summary of the message today is that we must determine whether we lack in wisdom for our trials. If we do, we need to go to God in prayer with the full assurance of faith and ask for wisdom, trusting that God will grant us our request. Do you lack in faith? Should we find that we are having a difficult time drawing near to God, it could also be because of our lack of humility. Perhaps you've held an improper view of your position and your possessions in this life, and you need to be more loving and giving and willing to serve others with what the God of heaven has bestowed upon you, no matter how much that might be. There is no greater time to be reminded of this than when you are going through various trials, like these early Christians that were dispersed everywhere. Yet, at the same time, we are to remain dedicated to the Lord. Those that have been given little live with godly contentment, and they glory in that circumstance. In this way, you have great gain laid up for you above, and you are in a high position in God's eyes. For those that have much, be willing to be humiliated and take on a lowly servant heart, looking out for the needs of others. Don't be found holding on to the resources that you have been entrusted with, since you cannot take them with you. Invest in the kingdom and expand its borders. The worst scenario would be that you wait to be forced to your knees on the judgment day while being found as a poor steward of what you have been blessed with by the Lord. The fact is that most of us in America are filthy rich in comparison to those in other countries. I would venture to say that most of us, no matter how tight the budget, would have a challenging time saying that we are truly poor. Nevertheless, the poorest soul is the one that doesn't know Jesus and will miss out on the everlasting riches of heaven. Thank you for listening. I have a brand new offer that is connected with the Dispersed and Dedicated series in the book of James. If you partner with Netcast Podcast during our fifth season, I want to send you the complete outline in the book of James, but I will also be including the supplemental PowerPoint slideshows to guide you in your study. If you want to become a partner or make a donation, you can send PayPal donations using netcasthost at gmail.com or visit patreon.com forward slash netcast to learn more about how you can get on board with this podcast. I have also added this podcast to buymeacoffee.com forward slash netcast host, where you can send a small gift of any amount to help support the show. Thank you in advance. If you are not able to support this ministry effort financially at this time, would you please consider doing one of the following? First, subscribe and continue to be a dedicated listener. Next, please share Netcast with your friends and family and encourage them to subscribe. Finally, consider leaving a review for the podcast so that your positive feedback could encourage others to listen. Take a few moments after we sign off to visit our website at netcasthost.com. Here you will find transcripts of the podcast on the blog. You can sign up for the free newsletter and become a member and join Netcast absolutely free. This will give you access to hidden portions of the podcast's host site, like our members' forum, and so much more. Don't forget to check out our social media sites on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Be sure to like and follow the podcast on these sites as we use them to keep you current on what is happening at Netcast. 
All new episodes are announced on these media outlets. God bless you richly in Jesus Christ, our Lord.